Well, as you can see this morning, I'm sporting a uh, Philip Rivers jersey. I hope that doesn't somehow curse him. He's actually one of, one of my favorite players. And uh, as we begin this new series and we're talking about wisdom, uh, Philip Rivers, at least in the football way, has a lot of wisdom. Uh, one of the things that I love about Philip Rivers, and if you've been watching, I've, I've watched him since he was drafted into the Chargers, and I'm a big Chargers fan, uh, is the fact that he, he has so much passion for the game. Have you ever have you noticed that? I mean, when that guy comes up to the line, you know, you can just see it. I mean, he hates to lose, and, and he comes up to the line. And so here's where his wisdom comes in. So he's going into his 17th season. And as he comes up to the line, I love what he does. He's looking around, and of course, he can read a defense. That's part of his wisdom, years of experience. And he, you know, he suddenly just changes the call, and he's grabbing a running back. He goes, you, over here, boom. He's like, these guys are going, oh, okay. You know, receivers, you know, he's sending them a little further out. He's doing all this stuff. He's just orchestrating beautifully. And it's that wisdom that he, that he has. Now, his coach, Anthony Lynn, also has a lot of wisdom because they realize that Philip Rivers is getting a little bit older. In fact, he's 37 years old now. And for a quarterback, you know, that's just starting to get up there. And so what he's done in the last year, uh, last year and this year in particular, didn't even put him in preseason. And, and he said, well, we're going to give him fewer reps. You know, so reps are, are these, all the throwing, right? We're going to give him, we're gonna, by the way, I just might throw this ball. I want you to know. So be aware. I just want to say, if you if you're thinking about falling asleep, I got the football. Okay, it's right here. I might actually throw it. I don't know. I have been known to do things like that before. So anyway, um, getting back to uh, Philip Rivers, this guy, uh, because they cut back on his reps last year, he had uh, 32 touchdowns, and he over he threw for over 4,000 yards. And for the first time since 2009, um, they had a great record, 12 and four. So that's, that's the wisdom of the coach coming together and saying, okay, let's do this thing different, differently, okay? So I just, I want you, as, as we begin talking about wisdom, we're going to talk about wisdom for several weeks, I want you to come, and I just want you to open your heart, and I want you to open your mind, and couldn't we all use a little bit more wisdom? Uh, this is uh, something that Philip Rivers said, and he said, when you talk about reps, or what his coach says, actually, He's always been one of the hardest working guys on the team. And when he's out there, he works hard. That's what makes him one of the best, his preparation. That's what we're going to do. We're going to prepare to be successful. But we're going to prepare to be successful uh, on, on another level. I mean, we all want to be successful. We all want to be happy. We all want to have you know, money and means and, and, and all the, the things that mean a lot to us. But the question that we want to begin with for this whole series is like, how do I experience success in God's eyes? In God, not just in your eyes, like I want you to think of all that, but I want like one day you and I, we're going to stand in the very presence of God. And wouldn't it be cool to show up and say, I, I think I gave it my best. You know, I wasn't perfect by any means, you know, none of us are, but uh, I think I prepared pretty well. And uh, I hope that, you know, in your sight, God, I, I was a success. And I think all of us want, want it to be that way. So we're going to look at this through a story today, and it's about an old king who is getting ready to pass on uh, the succession of his leadership to his son. His son's name is Solomon. The old king at this point is King David. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 Kings chapter 2. And um, we're just going to read a few verses, but I just I want to give you a little bit of the context of what's going on here. David is thought to be probably about 70 years old here, and he's dying, really. This is like the last recorded conversation he's going to have with Solomon. Now, Solomon is a very young man, and Solomon has actually been appointed by God 
to be the next king. And, and so as he is listening to his dad's words, just imagine, you know, here, here's David, and he's maybe got his arm around Solomon. And, you know, when somebody's dying, like, you want to lean in. That's, those are going to be some of the most important words they're going to say. And so this is what he says to his son, David. It says, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. He said, I'm about to go the way of the earth, he said, so be strong. Act like a man. Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and his regulations, as is written in the law of Moses. Do this and you will prosper or you may prosper. So he's going, look, I want you to succeed. I want you to to be successful and prosper. But this is how you do it. He says, in all you do, wherever you go, and that the Lord, may, the Lord may keep his promise to you. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all of their hearts and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. How to succeed? He's, he's saying, son, I want you to see. This is how you do it. Basically, what he's really saying, he's saying, put God first. It's pretty simple, really. He's saying, Solomon, my son, put God first. And if you do that, and by the way, you're going to lead a nation. You're just not leading yourself, Solomon. You're going to lead an entire nation. And everything you do is going to count because of that. Put God first. Now, when you say, and when you talk about putting God first, he's like, so what does that, what does that mean? Probably means different things to different people, but th- these are some of the categories of our life. I mean, these are different facets of our life. And so when we say put God first, sometimes maybe... Maybe you grew up in a faith system where you never even thought about this. Like, well, like where? Well, look at that. Like, there's like 11 different categories we came up with, relationally, vocationally, spiritually, retirement, your financially, uh, financially on and on it goes, ministry, academically. Um, those are all like parts of your life, right? And say, so, well, how, how do I like, put God first? And how does wisdom play out in, in those areas? Have you ever noticed that some people can be incredibly smart, almost genius in one area of their life, and then just dumber than dirt in another area of their life, you might be one of those people. Uh, and there, I'll be one of those. I'm one of those people. Like, there's some areas that like, I'm pretty sharp in. Other areas, I'm like, oh, man, I just, I just need some wisdom in that. Like, for instance, relationally, some people are really, really sharp relationally, but they're terrible maybe some other area, uh, maybe academically, you know, or they just like, ah, I don't read much or whatever, and they need to sharpen their skills up a little bit. Some people... Uh, like, let's just talk about the retired people for a second. We got a few people that are uh, retired or on their way to retirement. You say, well, how do I put God first in retirement? So I want to talk to some of you who are, are right about there. And, and there's something that happens, especially in American, um, the way we see life. We think when we retire, we retire for every, from everything. It's like, well, I put my time in, I'm retired. And sometimes we can almost kind of retire from God, retire from church, from being active. Now, let, let me ask you a question. If you are... I'll just say, if you're 55 or older, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to track with me here. Has there ever been a time in your life when you have more wisdom than you do right now? You're smarter than you've ever been. Way smart. You've got, you've got years and years of experience. And so you are walking around and you just are full of all this wisdom and experience and knowledge which means you are in a position to be used in a very special way because there's people that are younger you, than you and they're looking at you and they're going, like, how do you, get, how do you stay married for all those years? Like, I, I, need, I need some help on that. And, and how did you raise those children again? Because I'm kind of struggling with my children. And, 
And, and financially, like, you got a pretty nice house. I know you and I have a, life, you have a nice lifestyle. Like, how did you do that? Because maybe I'm struggling a little bit right there. So I'm just saying to all of you retired people, you're not retired in the kingdom of God. Okay, there are a lot of people that need your wisdom. And I'd like to see you get involved in this church at a level and talk to me about it. Talk to us about it, where you can impart some of that wisdom, some of the people that, that could really, really use it. Um, and then, you know, some of the other areas, uh, recreationally, recreationally, I can't talk this morning. Um, you, how, how many of you are involved in some kind of a sport, right? You got some people out there, you're playing a team somewhere, right? Like, how does God first in that? Well, I don't know. You tell me. Do your, do your teammates know that you even have a relationship with God? That you're, you know, that you are putting God first? So those are just some of the, some of the areas that it breaks down. Uh, physically, some people are really, really smart, uh, like let's just say vocationally. They got it down in their job, but when it comes to their body, they're falling apart, and they're not smart there. So those are just some of the areas that we might be talking about, and areas that you can put God, God's first. So here's, here's God's formula right here, okay? God's formula for success is, if I follow wholeheartedly, then I'll experience God's success in everything that, that I do. And that's what God wants to do. He wants, he wants to bless us, but there's a way to do that. So here's the way that Jesus wrapped it up. And this is, by the way, this is one of my very, very favorite verses in the Bible. It means a lot to me, and I'll tell you why in a second. But, but, but Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then what? All of these things will be given to you as well. In other words, if you just put me first in all the categories of your life, everything will fall into place, and I will bless your life. When I was really young in ministry, um, I probably had been in ministry for maybe eight years, maybe, maybe ten uh, my wife and I were struggling financially, and, and uh, it was really stressing me out. I was like, by the way, you don't go into ministry to get rich, and if you do, you're in for the wrong reason, okay? So, you know, we're, we're young in ministry, and, and we're just we're struggling, and so when I started to do, I started to step outside of what I was doing in the church where I was getting paid full-time, but not much, and look for other opportunities and options where I, I could make some money to supplement. Kind of makes sense, Right? But I, I just didn't feel good about it. In fact, I felt like this is something going on inside of me, and I felt stressed, and I felt like something's not right. And I, I felt like I really wasn't supposed to be doing that. I felt like, no, Steve, you know, I called you to this. I want you all in on this. And so finally one day I'm praying about it. It's not very often that I get like what I would call a direct word from the Lord. Because, every, you know, I've talked to some people. and like, yeah, yesterday, you know, I was, he talked to me here, and then you know, the day before that he talked to me. I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool. But I, every once in a while, I get a direct, like, succinct word from God. And this is one of those moments. So I'm praying about it. I'm stressed. I said, like, I don't know what to do. And this is the way God talks to me. He just simply said this. He said, Steve, if you take care of my business, I'll take care of yours. And that was it. And from that day till this day, decades later, he's been true to his word. And it was just about that. He said, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and my ways, and I've got you covered, and you'll be successful, and, and, I'll, and I'll bless your life. So let's talk more about how to do this. In First Chronicles 28, um, go ahead and turn there if you would. If you have your Bibles or your mobile device, whatever you got there. Now, this is um, more recorded words of, uh, of, of David to his son. So in verse 9, uh, he, he's too, talking to him again. Now, some of you, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, you say, well, what is chronicles? So they're chronicling, they're chronicling all the history, the kings and everything that they did, all the wars and everything. 
And so this is like, if you've ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, have you noticed they're all telling the same story, but they're telling different pieces of the story, and they're, they're giving different perspectives on what they know about Jesus and what they experience with Jesus? This is kind of the same thing. So this is a, a guy who recorded more of this conversation between David and, uh, and his son Solomon. And this is what it says, beginning with verse 9. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the acknowledge the God of your father and serve him wholeheartedly, with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. And if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Now, really, like strong words there. Dad's pressing in. He's going, look at, look at, listen, listen to me, son. Listen to me. I'm dying here, okay? And this is wisdom. So I want you to pay attention He says, consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Now, this strong terminology, did you you catch what he said there? He says he will reject you forever. Now, does God actually do that? Like, if you walk away from God, does God go so, done, over, writing you off? Hey, take him off the list, okay? Take him out of the book of life. No, God doesn't do that. A lot of you know the prodigal son story, man. He kind of chases us down, chases us down. But... David's drilling in on his son because, he's, again, he's saying, you're going to lead an entire nation. And what you do matters in history. And so, son, take these words serious. And I think that's that, something that we should take seriously to our hearts, putting God first, that he's the first priority in our life. So, so how do you do that? Well, first of all, you have to acknowledge God, right? That's the first. So we acknowledge him in everything. We talked about some of those categories I acknowledge him in the way that um, I use my time, for instance. So, like, how does that factor in? Well, I go to church on Sunday, but yeah. What, what, besides that, though, what? Are you serving? Are you serving in, in some capacity where you can say, well, yeah, I, I'm giving back a little bit. How about, how about financially? You, I, we acknowledge him in our, in our finances, and so we give, Karen and I, and a lot of you do, like the first 10% of your income, you go, God, you get this part, and this is how we're going to keep the doors open, this is how we're going to bless a lot of people. So that's acknowledging God. And then there's a place where we serve him, we serve him with devotion. Now, I don't know too many people that are more devoted than these people right here. We got, we got any Raider Nation people here today? If you, okay. Is there anybody here? Okay. okay. Usually the nation, I mean the Raider Nation, they're just like jumping up and down. So this is, this is known as the black hole. And uh, if you ever watch these people, um, they're pretty intense, in fact, they're some of the probably, the, I mean, even though I, I'm not a Raider fan, please, but they are some of the most devoted fans. So how many of you know that the Raiders are moving somewhere next year? Yeah, they're moving to Las Vegas, and they will now be known as the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, see this group of people right here. Do you think it matters to them? I mean, it matters, but do you think that they're going to stop following the Raiders? Oh, not at all, because they are the Raider Nation. And I'm telling you, they will drive, they will walk, they will like, ride their scooters to Las Vegas to watch them play. Why? Because they're fans. They're devoted. Like, you know, that team is number one in their life. And that's what we're talking about, having that kind of devotion to God where we say, God, you are, you are everything in my life. Like, it, like if we go through a season in our life where maybe life isn't feeling too good and we're like, so I'm not a fan of yours right, right now, God. You know, just, you know, maybe at a different season in my life, maybe I'll become a fan again, but not a fan right now. 
No, to be devoted to God means that we're there. Good times, bad times. And then we need to develop a willing mind. And this is what basically David charges his son. He says, have a willing mind. In other words, well, what does that look like to make God number one? It means we're constantly pushing ourselves to know God in a deeper way, to read his word, to know the ways of God. So I, like, I don't know if you look at it year by year, but if you ever look back on your life and you say, well, how am I doing, really? Do I know God better this year than I did last year? Am I, am I making progress in my Christian life? And that's making God number one, rather than just kind of sitting back at our hands and going, well, you know, a long time ago I made a commitment, and it, it's okay, you know. That's not the way to do it. Make him number one. So what evidence would others see that God is your top priority? What, what would that look like in your life? I, I think it's, it's not the fact that you go to church. It's the fact that you are the church. See, God didn't, this is a building, there's a lot of buildings out there, church building, this happens to be a school, it becomes a church on Sunday, but why is it really a church? Because you're here, you're the church, and God has said, look at, I want you to, the church, to go out into the world, and I want you to represent me, and you're going to be my, my feet, and my eyes, and my hugs, and my smiles, and you're going to be the people that are going to season things up, and, and, and bring something beautiful to your communities, that's what we're going to do, but do people see the evidence of that? Because it's just like, well, no, I, I go to church. That's really not it. If God's number one in your life, everybody's going to know about it. Your friends are going to know about it, your, your, your family, your, everybody, people you work with, they're, they're all going to know about it. So God's number one. Okay, got that? For success, God has to be number one in your life. But we also have to embrace this thing called obedience, now, when I say obedience, because that's really, it's the greatest factor in, in determining whether you're going to have success in your life, a lot of you would say, that's not a feel-good word. I don't know how many of you grew up in a home where maybe there was like way too many rules, and so there was that thing inside of you that said, I like to break rules. Like some of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Some of you are compliant, and you have no problem with rules, and you're like, you just kind of roll with it, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, that's not a problem. And then you have people like me. Natural born rule breaker, right? I mean, I almost never ever met a rule that I didn't want to break. And a lot of it had to do, and I'm not going to get into the whole parent thing, but I just kind of grew up that way. Like, and it, somehow it was thought that you know, the more rules, you know, the more holy you were. And, and so it, this thing got inside of me when I was really, really young. Now, how many of you are rule breakers, and you've discovered that when you break rules all the time, you pay consequences? Like, after a while, your life just begins to hurt. Uh, I'll give you an example of that. So uh, I started driving, you know, when I was 16 years old, and I was immediately a speeder. I thought speed limits were for other people, but not for me. Like, because I was a good driver, right? Like, oh, you know, I, I, I got this thing. But when I was 22 years old, um, I just was speeding so much. I got four tickets, four speeding tickets, four highway patrol speeding tickets in one year. And it cost me a whole bunch of money. And then I got this little notification, and they said, we are going to take your license away from you. You need to stop speeding. And I stopped speeding. And really, all these years, I think I've had maybe two tickets in my entire life since that time, speeding tickets. I just learned to, to slow it down. But, but, but we learn that in other areas of our life. Like, oh, I don't care about that. And then what happens? You pay the consequences of, of that. So he's speaking to his son again. And he says, observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience. Walk in obedience. And, and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and his regulations as written in the law of Moses. Why? So here's the old man, right? He's dying. He's saying, look it. And if anybody could ever say this, it would be David. 
son, I've messed up a few times. If you've read David's life, you know that it's more than a few times. He can say, I wasn't always obedient and I paid a price for it. Not only did I pay a price for it, but a lot of other people paid a price for it too. I was messy. This is why, son, I want you to walk in an obedient way. Because there is great blessing in walking in obedience. Now, having said that, let me ask you a question. Do any of you, like, is there some baggage that you have in regards to this obedience thing? They just, just kind of maybe sort of nipping at your heels a little bit, and you're like, yeah, I want to obey, but I, I got a few issues with the whole obedience thing, you know? Um, I, 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 I want to, kind of in my heart of hearts, but I, I just can't seem to, to walk it out. What, what would that be? So if you're me, here's, and I'm just kind of thinking, channeling some of you maybe, you say, I've had some really, really bad church experiences. And, and maybe you kind of take that on God a little bit. In fact, maybe you kind of hold that against God and you go, yeah, this whole church thing, you know, God, I love you, but made your church, ah. Like if anybody could ever talk about bad church experiences, right here, poster child. I could write a book about bad church experiences. But I'm still here. I still love God. I'm not going to take that out on God, all right? So I just choose to try to be obedient to him as much as I can. It's, it's kind of like this. I believe that you have till you're 40 years old to quit blaming your parents for the stuff in your life. The Steve Bombachi philosophy opinion right here, right? Now, listen, you can go to the therapist, and you can whine and complain, but when you're, I don't care how, you know, I grew up in a crazy home myself, okay? But when you're 40 years old, you, can, you have to stop blame shifting. And at that point, you have to take personal responsibility and say, oh, for crying out loud, I'm 40 years old. I can't hold, I mean, you know, whatever happened, happened. It's time for me to grow up. And by the way, if you keep blame shifting, guess what happens? You never get better. You just keep blaming. You just, oh, his dad's my crazy mom. So at some point, you just have to get past it. There's this other part of obedience. And this is, I, I find a lot of people in this area today. This is for people that say, I love God with all my heart. I love Jesus, but I just don't agree with a lot of the Bible. I'm a progressive thinker, you know? And I feel like the Bible is a little outdated, a little irrelevant at this point in time in my life. And so I'm cool with the majority of what God says, but some of that stuff, ah. And so what happens is you just ignore, or really just say it the way it is. You're disobeying some of God's will that's actually written in his word. And you're just kind of living life on your own terms. And you say, God, I love you. I, I do. I go to church. I'm trying to be the church. Maybe you serve really well. But you just know that there's some areas of your life where you are in disagreement with God. Well, let me just say this. I'm just going to throw this out there. Could it be that maybe you don't feel as close to God as you'd like to, that there's a little gap between you and God, and that maybe some sort of intimacy issues where like you want to get closer but you can't and could it be that that disobedience in your life is what's getting in the way that's that's standing between you and god and if you really think it through it could be it could be like there's something in you says i want to grow i want to develop i want to be all that god wants me to be but i just you're not that one thing or maybe that couple things so i want you to think about that what would it look like if you said, okay, God, even though I don't agree with you, I totally disagree with you, I'm going to do it because you told me to. That could change everything. That could change everything. And I challenge you, as your pastor, 
I want to challenge you. Just do that thing that you don't want to do. Watch what God will do. Because here's the, I, I guarantee you, I can prophesy it over you. Not only will God begin to bless your life, but you will suddenly realize the wisdom of why God said it in the first place. It'll start to make sense to you. See, that's our deal. We stand outside of it, and we go, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. And then you get inside of it, suddenly, and you're like, start to do it, start to live it, start to obey, and you're like, oh, that totally makes sense. But you're never going to know until you actually start to do it. So it is that obedience thing. So, that's the slide's not supposed to be there. He said this, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. So it's a heart thing, too. God wants our heart, heart to be for him. So we, he's our first priority, but it gets into our heart. So hard work, hard work, which is hard work, is the greatest work that I can do. So go back to Philip. You know, he's out there. He's doing reps. He's doing reps. I might throw this football right now. He's doing reps. Okay. There you go, man. I knew, I knew that Shane would be the man to throw the football to. But he's, he's working, right? He's working hard all, all the time. So God has uh, some reps for us to do in a, in a hard kind of way. Let me, let me read this to you. These are some, all verses that, that surround the idea of, of the heart. Um, so we're, we're supposed to, in our heart, first of all, accept that your heart is, is full of a lot of different things. There's good, and there's things that are not good, and there's, there's, there's things that are wonderful, and there's things that are... You're, where you're conflicted. So the first thing you got to do is just accept who you are. Like, just accept the fact. You are a mixed bag, just like I am, full of all kinds of stuff which represents your heart. Your heart is the essence of who you are. And so you got to yield your heart. That means I take this heart of mine and I say, God, you got my heart. You're number one in my life, so you, you got my heart. And then we have to guard our hearts. Why do we have to guard our hearts? Because if you get the wrong thing inside of your heart, it's going to change, it's going to change your attitude you know, the Bible talks a lot about, like, don't let bitterness get inside of you. Don't get cynical. That's why you have to guard your hearts. A lot of you have been there before. I've been there before. And that, that bitterness starts to get in. It'll just eat you alive. So you've got to guard it. Here's, here's another thing you have to guard your heart against. Stuff uh, that is all over, like, for instance, entertainment world today and our culture today, where you just have to go, you know what? I, I, I need to stay away from that. I'll give you an example. I'll all out myself. So the other day... Uh, I'm watching this comedian on Netflix, Netflix, and the guy is incredibly funny, but raunchy as all get out, and so I'm kind of just getting sucked into it, and I'm going, this guy is funny, ha <laughs> and then at a the point, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be laughing at that, you know, and I'm, so I'm, I'm deeper into it, I'm going, oh, but he's so funny, you know, and oh, that was disgusting, man, you know, but I'm just, I'm there, and I'm just kind of sucked into the moment, and then, you know, the next thing I know, it's, it's over, and then for like the next three days, I had kind of a, I don't know, if you, like I felt like I needed a shower. I, I, I've had, I felt like I, you know, I had kind of a, a spiritual hangover of like the worst kind. And I'm just walking around and I'm thinking, come on, Steve, man, you can't be watching that kind of stuff because it just messed with me. It got in my head, you know, some of the stupid jokes were going through my head again. And I'm like, I, I don't need to hear that kind of stuff. That's why we need to guard our hearts. And then, then you've got to exercise it. So what does that mean? That means heart reps, right? So Philip Rivers again, you know, doing, doing those reps. So here's what Jesus said. Jesus said the two things you've got to do in life. Remember, love God with everything you've got, your heart, soul, mind, body, strength, everything you have. So it's like, God, okay, here's the harder one for me. He said, and what, what's the next one? Love your neighbor as what? As much as you love yourself. 
And so I'm, I'm like, all right, I could throw you passes all day, man. And then that next one, I'm like, oh, my neighbor? Oh, man, my neighbor. I like some of my neighbors. No, Steve, all of them. All of my neighbors? Some of them are mean. Some of them, I don't think they even deserve being loved. It's okay. That's, that's that whole thing. Just your heart saying, God, I'm just going to keep pressing in. I'm just going to keep trying to, to love people. You exercise your heart. And then, and then you feed it. How do you feed it? Open the word of God. Pray. You know, be involved with other Christ followers that will help you grow. And then finally, rest it. And this is one of my favorites right here. Because you ever just get tired like in an emotional heart kind of way? And you're like, oh, you know, I'm just, just, just tired. And I, Isaiah says, those who wait upon the Lord will be renewed in their strength. And they'll rise up like, like eagles, and they'll soar. See, that's what God wants to do. But that's all, that's all of those things have to do with your heart. And finally, we've got to settle, and we can't settle, I should say, for a mediocre relationship with God. How many of you guys have seen the famous commercial around, Just Okay is Not Okay, AT&T? Who would want to have a relationship with God where you're just like, well, it's just okay? How could you ever celebrate that? Check this out. Amigo, it's gonna look okay. Only okay? No worries, boss. I'm one of the tattoo artists in the city. You mean one of the best tattoo artists in the city, right? Something like that, yeah. Uh, aren't you supposed to draw it first? Stay in your lane, bro. Just okay is not okay. <laughs> okay. Just okay is not okay. I mean, really? Are you okay with just a mediocre relationship with God? We're like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go to church, and, and I, know, so I hope that I'll flop into heaven one day. I'm not really sure about that, but I hope it happens. Or no, or not. That, just okay is not okay. So again, going back to what David is charging his son, he goes, so take this seriously. You know what part of our problem is? Is we take ourselves too serious, and we don't take God serious enough. And we need to do just the opposite. If we take God serious, we got God, I take your word serious. I want to obey you. I want to know you. I want to press in and have a deeper relationship with you. Then we could laugh at ourselves a little bit more. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have all that anxiety and that stress. So he says, take this serious. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. So God has a plan for every one of you. He has a path for every one of you. But here's what he would say to you, and this is wisdom. Take it serious. Don't mess around. Go after it. Be passionate. Be strong. Do your reps. So I want to leave you with these questions. What priorities do I need to rearrange so that I can put God first in my life? So as we've been sitting here this morning and I've been speaking about priorities, is there something that you can think of right now in your life and you would have to say, yeah, that's a little backward in my life. I, if, if, if I'm going to make God number one, I'm going to maybe have to make a change, maybe even a significant change in that area of my life, if God's going to really be number one in my life. And then, secondly, who's helping you in your walk? So that's why we have life groups. Because in a life group, you're going to find people in there, and they have wisdom, they have experience. They're going to be able to speak into you, support you, pray for you. But, but who, we always say that you should have somebody ahead of you spiritually, somebody right next to you, and then maybe somebody in back of you that's kind of drafting off of you. And then finally, where do I want to experience God's success in my life? So is there an area, is there an area in your life and you're thinking, I am not successful there, I want to be successful there, I need God's help there, 
And, and just, you know, it's almost like this morning, God is just putting his finger right on that area of your life, and he's going right there. And maybe it's about the fact that it's an obedience issue, and you're, you know, you know, you ought to be doing something, and you're not doing that. Or, or maybe it's an attitude that you have, or some unforgiveness in your heart, or, but something where God is going right there. I want to I help you. Where do you want to experience God's success in your life? So this morning is, is a communion morning, uh, and we're going we're gonna to invite you up to the table in just a moment and here at New Break, the way we do it. This campus is, uh, we call it self-serve. You just come up, you take the bread, you take the cup, you bring it back to your seat. But we're going we're gonna to throw in a couple of extra things today. Um, you'll, you probably notice there's a little three-by-five card in your chair there. Uh, I'd like you, if you would, if God's been speaking to you, I'd like you to write down that area where you feel like you need God's help to be more successful. Just go, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you bring it up. When you get your communion, just drop the card on the table, and then our team, our staff, is going to pray with you this week about whatever that is. We just want to pray for you because we are a church of prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. Okay, so if if you would do that, take your time. Um, Our our worship team is going to lead here, and you can just worship the Lord. But uh, if you Feel compelled to do so. And I just want to encourage you to do it. Just do it. Write something down. Bring it up to the table. And when you get up there, you're going to see um, a, a, a little container with these. And you're going to go, what are those? So these are these little wooden crosses. Um, that you can, They're keychain wooden crosses. Have you ever noticed that like, sometimes you just need reminders in life about some, something? And if you, like, sometimes things like this can be a reminder. So here's the deal. Bring it back with you. And whatever it is that you're saying, God, this is where I need your help. I want you to hang on to this this week and the next week. Maybe put it on your keychain. Maybe put it in your car someplace, your refrigerator, someplace where you're going to see it. And every time that you see this, it's going to remind you that you need God's help. And so maybe say a quick little prayer. Say, God, can you just help me, God, in this area of my life?